I'm pretty sure dance is the most effective way I communicate. I spend all this time talking, um, but if I'm able to dance with someone, particularly contact improv where you're giving your weight to someone, you're taking their weight, and it's it's like the best conversation, and it's almost void of the English language. It's void of this like frontal cortex, this verbal center of existence. It's it feels like I guess deeper than that, or just a little more even rudimentary or fundamental. Just giving weight, uh, taking weight moving, adapting, Um, because you have all the dynamics of a conversation built into contact improv in terms of, you know, who's speaking, who's listening, and then the push-pull of that. Um, But it's, it's just more clear to me. In conversation, it can be like a subtle... Subtle forms of domination or um, control, controlling the amount of airspace. I think it's, I think it's quite important for any relationship that you're kind of in balance with speaking and listening. And this doesn't mean that it's 50-50. There are some relationships that I have that um, a balance feels like I'm listening 80% of the time, 70% of the time, and only speaking very little. And there's some relationships where that's the opposite, where the the balance for me, from my perspective, feels like... um, speaking more and there's no like set ratio and that's not the point the point is the push pull that happens in conversation can be subtle and a lot of times if I feel like that balance isn't there I feel like I'm not able to speak or or be heard Um, then the relationship kind of falters in contact improv, it's just so much more clear that push pull. It's not subtle, and therefore there's like no resentment. Because resentment might be the like, it's the slow and steady decay of relationships. And it usually starts as a pebble in your shoe, it starts off as something really small, but over time degrades even more than like even a acute trauma relationship wise and resentment can be built with how someone with communication or lack thereof communication being key to any relationship is not a new idea or concept Um, but a lot of the fights that I've gotten into are over not being feeling heard or understood. And a good barometer for those is the amount of time I'm able to speak versus how much I'm 
able to listen in the given relationship. So when I drop the verbiage, the verbal, and I can just kind of get into the um, the physical or the primal kind of centers of my body or existence, like it's easy to know when someone wants to be heard more. You'll feel their weight, you'll feel their pressure push against you. And a lot of times I just am able to receive that or roll it, deflect it, and then the dance goes on. But there is something about the communication of dance that just seems easy, easy peasy. And uh, it seems to deepen relationships quicker than anything else. And something about contact improv being like a cooperative game of like enjoyment very little like competition present that cooperation lends itself to play and uh it just helps me get it just helps me get deeper into relationships it seems to be the best tool and i don't know how to initiate that all the time because it's very personal contact improv is like extremely intimate and I don't mean sexual, it can be, um, but I do mean intimate, like bodies on bodies, touch on touch through touch. So initiating it isn't always easy. It's amazing how many people are adverse to touch and play and the traumas that they carry around that don't allow them to, you know, play to to be intimate in the form of touch not just sexuality but last night how did it spring up oh well it helped that the people at the party a portion of them had experience with contact improv so the barrier of entry was much lower and i think it started with the people that were practiced in in the discipline of contact improv. Yeah, it did. I think we were talking, we played some like games, like some um, improv games, some like games to make each other laugh. We played the one where you each run around and said a word to build a story. And uh, it was actually funny. Sometimes that game is kind of goes nowhere you just people we just create like really simple sentences that have no like juice but uh the amount of wordplay and puns and like quick wittedness that was available yesterday like it was actually a really funny game and that could have lent itself to what followed i'm sure it did which was you know we were able to play kind of in this verbal space and then how did it happen yeah we started dancing through contact and then all of a sudden another person came in, then another, and then another. And the next thing you know, everyone at the party was experiencing contact improv for the first time or for the umpteenth time. Um, and we're all playing together and, and touching each other and like sweating. And the ability to do that and... It never crossed the sexual bound boundary for me. Um, 
And I don't know, I guess I can't speak for anyone else, but it just felt really respectful and playful and like pure in the sense of like, like a child would play. And the next thing you know, like as soon as that barrier of physical touch was crossed where everyone was pretty much able to share their weight or hold the weight of another person or almost every person in the room at some point, because I think someone who was kind of later to the the game, they said everyone looked like a, a pot of boiling noodles. Like, cause that's what contact improv can look like, especially when you're getting into trios and quartets and it's like four, three people, four people, five plus playing together. It's kind of everyone's intermeshing, changing levels, high to low. And I guess it looks like a pot, a pot of boiling noodles. But after the dance kind of simmered down, if you will, I just remember sitting and again, being at that spot of complete peace, not needing anything, so satisfied. Um, and it's like the kind of satisfaction that I still even feel t- today. I-, I feel like a lot of the healing that happened last night through community um, was because we were able to kind of dance, touch each other and it not be, and it be completely appropriate. And there's an interesting thing I notice that happens when I do feel satisfied or I feel at peace. The, the tone of my voice seems to change. And I've noticed that I have the, the habit or the propensity to hold tension, to hold like energy up high. And it'll, and when I am doing that, my voice is higher. And people like are actually less inclined to listen because there's a little bit of tension in my voice. There's a little bit of almost panic, um, just like holding on or like insecurity or, or anything that can come up, um, in a group dynamic and my tension raises, my voice gets higher. But when I'm fully satisfied, what I've been doing is in my mind, picturing that I'm dropping my energy back into my belly. Your chi is supposed to be stored in your belly. Um, that's like, um, your fuel tank. And that's the place where uh, it can handle the most energy. It can handle the most chi. So basically what I feel like is I let my chi get kind of high when I get stressed in any way. My voice is like a nice indicator of that when I can become aware of how my voice sounds. And it'll get a little higher. Maybe I'll speak a little bit faster. And that's okay. But what I find is is actually better for myself and uh, what seems to be more comfortable for other people and their ability to listen to me is if I can sink that chi, that sensation back down into my belly and um, my voice gets a little deeper, a little bit richer with this uh, constant mindfulness practice of like sinking my chi down and, and this is important to me because my a lot of the illness that I carried uh, last year with the cancer was neck, chest. It was where I keep that tension, coincidentally or not, 
where I keep tension when I'm stressed or, uh, yeah, or insecure, um, is where I actually had my sickness. So I'm, I'm hoping that this new mindfulness, this new awareness of, uh, realizing where the tension is and then sinking it back into my, my power center, my stomach, um, will help keep me healthy. And even if it doesn't, it's improving the quality of my life in the moment um, through calmness and, ex- and like comfort, peace, and acceptance. And I know I say this every time, but there's just a momentum. As soon as I can like increase the peace with myself, it's then good things happen. Then peace. Then I'm a, a magnet for like more peace. And the next thing you know, I'm. I'm saying like prayers intuitively out loud, like from the heart and I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the power of prayer. I'm feeling the power of the elements, the like fire and the moon was amazing last night. Um, I didn't even want to sleep. I was enjoying life so much um, that everyone left three in the morning and like, I wanted to sit down by a window and just so like bask in the moonlight. And, uh, I did that until my body started telling me to like go lay down pretty much. I don't know how long, maybe a half hour, maybe plus, but just able to sit in the moonlight, not even trying to meditate hard, but just like sitting (laughs) And uh, it just felt like a really powerful time. It felt like such a healing night. After the dancing occurred, um, then all of a sudden the, the musical instruments started to get brought out. And it all felt just sort of organic. Nothing seemed forced. I kind of forced the initial ceremony of lighting the leaves on fire. Um, to me, it was a beautiful night, really warm, but some people were a little bit cold. And getting them to go outside um, was a little bit of effort, but it seemed to be worth it uh, from my perspective because I feel like just bringing that small amount of ceremony, it really lent the rest of the night to kind of just unfold organically with a little bit of, um, uh, I don't want gratitude comes to mind, but it's like ease and like divinity, like So I, I like just the smallest amount of structure, the smallest amount of ceremony. It didn't have to be, we didn't have to like all be quiet while we lit the fire and pass around a specific stick and, and sing certain songs. And it was just easy. You know, I spoke my piece. People could talk if they want, you know, if they were in conversation, just me being able to say it out loud to whoever wanted to listen was, was good enough. And then the fire was so beautiful and like a majestic. I made a huge pile of leaves. So it really uh, lit up. Um, and watching leaves burn is like a particular kind of beauty because you'll get the flames, but you'll also get like a deep glow ember, like a almost like a coal fire, like in the center. And uh, the musical instruments after dancing got got taken out. And it just seemed like, 
my ability to share song has increased tremendously just this past year. And a lot of that is um, due to kind of a particular ceremony. There's a Brazilian musician that he does uh, medicine work in Brazil. Um, he, he's a master musician. I can't speak highly enough about this man and how he carries himself and the music that he shares and the community that uh, he's helped co-create, Carioca Freitas, Carioca Freitas, and uh, his healing center, Saranda, in Brazil. And the medicine and the music that he shares, the type of ceremony that he shares um, is in the light. So there seems to be like a differentiation. There's so many types of ceremony, but a, there's Peruvian style ceremonies, which are in very, in the dark, very, very dark, uh, very solo journey, very simple music, simple, um, like almost like a, there's a, a, an instrument that's like a pile of leaves pretty much. And they're overlapped. And when you shake them, it goes, and the shaman go, they'll do their Icaros, their, their shaman songs. But the music's very simple. So this is not like that. This is actually a ceremony that's done in the light. So you can actually see everyone. And you're given books that have songs in them. There's four books. There's probably more than four. But there's... um, And we'll do like a book a night. And there's like a thousand... A um, hundred songs in each book. And we'll sing maybe 30 of them. 40 of them maybe less, maybe more, um, in a given night. And it's participatory. So the Peruvian style ayahuasca ceremonies in the dark, you're kind of sitting and receiving and kind of going through your own internal journey. Well, this ceremony, you're kind of, you're reading, you're, there's an action like that you could do in your sober waking life. Um, and you're singing these songs with a huge group. And that participation element for me really freed me up. It really empowered me to start to find my voice and find my song. And I've been practicing really ever since. I've been playing the guitar now for six months. And, you know, there's still so much to learn and so much to grow in guitar. But the uh, the amount that I've come um, has been great for me and really validating and I can even share songs and people will even give me encouragement. Like, I mean, they're my friends and, and, uh, but they don't have to be as encouraging as they've been when I've shared certain, certain music and, um, it's easy to keep going. And, and my point is, is that I can kind of, sh I can share music more unabashed than I had previous where it was like kind of a really big struggle for me to sing. It felt very vulnerable. I felt very naked singing. Now I'm, I'm convinced if you can speak, you can sing. It's really available to everyone. I think a lot of the issues people have singing is they try to sound good to others to a certain, you know, they try to sound a certain way instead of kind of listening to what they're able to the sounds they're able to make and like carrying that 
and riding that wave. You know, and sometimes you try to do a trick and you try to, I try to like sing higher and I can, you know, can catch it. And sometimes if, you know, I fall off the board in this surf, in this surfing music metaphor. But really, if you can speak, you can sing. And if you want to sing, I can't recommend it enough. Um, start by yourself. And, and really start uh, singing without other music, too. Like, if you sing a really, if you think you sing a song really well, that's, that you listen to all the time and you sing along with it, maybe just try singing it without the music. Maybe have the lyrics, or if you know the lyrics, great. Just sing. No one has to be around, of course, but you'll learn a lot about your own voice and your own limitations and your range, your particular range, and where to go from there when you start singing without music because I think there can be kind of a delusion when I'm singing along to Leon Lahavis and uh or Adele and I feel like wow I'm really crushing it and then I'll uh turn off their music and just try to sing it myself and I like you know I like my voice some some days I, I like it and I'm not gonna bash myself but you know I it's sometimes not as good as I think I am. And I don't, um, so singing without the assistance, kind of singing on my own and finishing the song, not just stopping when I, uh, stumble, but keeping on going till the song is through. My music teacher says like, once you're in the boat, be in the boat, like see it through. And, um, you can even record yourself singing and then listen to it back and that'll give you some real real insight as to what you're sounding like and and then where to go from there <clears throat> so i've just been i've been kind of like proud of myself i guess that i'm i'm now able to share a song just a little bit easier um without without trying too hard and especially when other people are playing music i'll grab a drum and try to and accompany them, you know, uh, contribute to their to the song that they're leading. Not overpower them, but not be too shy either, but to, to stay in the groove, to stay in the rhythm. And with the drum, like, I think about being a heartbeat for the song so that maybe someone with the strings can go off um, and fly and move around and kind of paint on top of the bass, which is the drum, the heartbeat, which is the drum. And uh, just so much joy in music, so much joy in sharing the music and uh, being a part of song in community. Um, as many times as I can be in a group in a group of people that are willing to dance, um, particularly contact and, and make contact with each other and sing and to share their song. And I like contact before singing for some reason. The contact improv or just making contact with each other like builds a trust so that the singing maybe is a little bit easier, which can feel very vulnerable and alone and like you're kind of putting yourself out there. With the movement, there's just more room for play and more room for error and like kind of falling and stumbling around without being feeling judged. 
where uh, if you're when I was new to singing, uh, the fear of judgment was so real that I, you know, it would be really hard to share my voice and my song. So we played games, we danced, we sang. And then um, I think we just talked the rest of the night until it was time for everyone to go. Um, And yeah, it was hard to say goodbye. It was like, I knew it was a good night because it was hard to see everyone go and like, but it was easy to share my love, like to sh- to even say words of love and to, uh, man, just such a good night. I, I wish this kind of on everyone to have people that they can dance and sing with. It's, it's corny and maybe a little bit cliche, but it's just... It's just such a simple power that maybe we've been carrying for thousands and thousands of years before we'd be able to entertain ourselves through football and TV shows and the internet. We've had song and dance and and it doesn't really make sense because, you know, like, there's no direct evolutionary advantage to singing and dancing now i mean you're gonna the people will think like yeah well for mating attracting mates uh uh that's a reason but there's just something like it it, it reminds me of divinity like the, the that which um transcends just the physical existence i have like i'm like reaffirmed in um And like faith and spirit, if you will, um, through music. Music is pretty much my, is the closest thing to religion that I practice. And I pray, and but there's just not a specific God that I pray to. There's just not a specific guidebook that I follow. I, I kind of like them all. Um, or I like parts of them all. And I think they're all, they all can get you there, all the religions. And um, music's interlaced in, in all of them, toning, sound, um, and that's because humans talk. But, but music is just special. And many people know this. I think many people can relate to music being their, their religion or their practice, their religious practice. And I'd say I would add dance to that because even dance without music, which I, I love very much, you know, it's kind of like identifying the rhythm that lives within or the rhythm that I'm working with and then combining that maybe with someone else's rhythm and then seeing what song we create, you know, in silence. Best medicine, maybe. And the foundation of music is, you know, singing and making music. Like maybe it could be said as breath too. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's if I if I want to deny like the spiritual, um, uh, metaphysical or the unseen, unprovable thi- like responses to music. Um, and I want to be like materialistic and 
which there's a place for, you know, it helps me by being materialistic or overly, um, or kind of denying the metaphysical, it's grounding. It grounds my beliefs a little bit. And I think for my beliefs to be solidified, they need to be grounded so that they can, you know, a tree grows its roots down so that it can grow up. It's simple. And if I want to be materialistic about music, I could say that the act of singing is really breath control. And the breath control creates a physiological response uh, that brings me a sense of peace. So it's known that um, breaths per minute, The if you're down at like 6 to 10 breaths per minute, you're activating a different part of your brain. Um, don't know what it's called. I think it's, I know that, so when your breaths get up to about 20 plus per minute, you're in your prefrontal cortex, the logic, um, the logic brain, the problem solving, critical thinking brain. And uh, so singing, a chant, this is part of the reason monks chant. Uh, they chant, which can reduce their breaths down to one per minute, uh, two per minute you know, very low. And therefore they're kind of activating, like maybe it's the parasympathetic nervous system that just allows that deep relaxation where you can kind of figure out your life and what it means to you. Um, again, denying the spiritual aspect of it and just focusing on the physiological practical. So maybe it's all about breath control. Um, but, but then now we like layering in just another, so we went physical, but there's definitely an emotional element, right? Songs have, un- music has unlocked emotion more consistently than any other practice. And, you know, deep feelings of emotion and serotonin uh, can be associated with divinity and feelings of connectedness and validation and joy, peace. So music unlocks that emotional level too, which again, keep it physical, could be a chemical reaction. But it's kind of trippy to think that sound waves by themselves taken in, there is a processing, like I take in sound and I process it and depending on how I process it could elicit a strong emotional response. That make that leaves me feeling calm, clear, collect. <clears throat> and then the practice of it is just rewarding because, like, you can I can feel like I'm growing. Uh, you know, as I sing songs over and over again, um, I get better at singing them, and it becomes easier to share, for example, and, and perform. And I can even start to make the songs my own after singing them maybe hundreds of times, thousand times. Um, So I can also get that sense of purpose and growth through music. But that's not specific to music. It's just another way that the practice of music enriches my life and is kind of like my religion. Um and and then it just gets deeper and deeper like then the metaphysic the metaphysics of music um there's all sorts of sound therapy you know sound certain sounds 
destroying different diseases or promoting certain healths within the body um, on metaphysical levels, the unprovable levels. Um, but, you know, to me, me talking to me, it's provable. Like what music has done for me, it, it will remain the centerpiece of my life. Even if I lose my voice or, or whatever terrible thing can happen, I will still find a way to, um, you know, share, create music uh, as long as I'm alive. And maybe even beyond, maybe, you know, music is closer to the next reality. Maybe music is like a portal to, or like a little peak hole to what's next. Uh, maybe it's closer aligned with the reality that's next, which might be less physical and, and closer to uh, sound waves course this is highly speculative and uh, i'm just kind of riffing but it's very important to me and um good medicine mm. well i think that might be a good place to stop it was really nice to just kind of share and uh, integrate the the goodness of community and song and dance from last night. And uh, I hope this helps and I encourage anyone to kind of go find their, their dance class. Go find, uh, there's tons of, you know, dances that are unifying that involve much less contact, physical contact. And that can be just as rewarding. Um, I seem to crave that, that contact. Um, it, it's like the best way for me to dance and express myself and communicate. Like I said before, like jujitsu is very much that communication too. Um, but there's like, find your dance too. There's a million and a half styles that, use the movements of the human body in all sorts of ways and start to find, you know, a singing song, a friend Josh uh, recommended yesterday. Cause I was asking if anyone knows any ways to train the voice and, um, you know, some things I can do daily to, yeah, I guess grow or improve my, my singing voice. And, um, a few came up. Yeah. Maybe I'll share those before leaving. But Josh said, you know, even just oming, and the thing about, about oming is, it's, you know, it's a simple sound, it, it kind of uses all the parts of your mouth and you can change the pitch if you wanted to play with pitch too. It doesn't sound too lovely, but I was trying to show that, uh, like that siren, sireny sound. That's an exercise in and of itself. So you can kind of interlace the ohm with the sireny. Um, another simple technique was rolling out your lips. And now you can combine that with 
And none of these sound too beautiful. It's the idea of this exercise isn't to make a beautiful sounding song, but more to explore my own voice so that when I'm ready to create a beautiful uh, song, um, I know where my range is and I've kind of strengthened those muscles along the range. So we have oming, which is aum. Uh, the sireny, which is changing pitch high to low. We have the rolling of your lips. <sighs> the combination of those three elements or two of them. And then another simple one was yawning. <sighs> like six times yawning. Just kind of as like a, maybe that's how you start your uh, vocal practice. So yawning. And the last one was you put your hand on your diaphragm, was learning how to use my diaphragm. And how it was described to me is the most gentle cough in the world. And if you, the hand is just a visual, which I don't know if you can see, but it allows me to feel that I'm coughing and kind of engaging my diaphragm. So these like four simple exercises um, are just ways to start exploring your voice and maybe uh, a daily practice to start singing. And the music, you know, I might never share. I would love to share an album, create an album that's worthy of sharing. And like, that would be great. But it's not about that at all. Like my music practice is, is mostly personal. And... Like I uh, I was talking about earlier, there's such a reward to being able to share it with community. But to start, I needed to develop my own personal practice and get just confident singing by myself, singing without other music playing so that I can truly hear myself and play with my vocal ranges, doing some of these exercises daily, practicing, 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 singing songs hundreds of times over and over again so that now I can share them with other people. But my point is a music practice, your prayer practice can be hyper-personal and you never have to share it with anyone. And maybe this encourages you to start and not maybe, you know, think you have to get somewhere. Because even if today's my last day, if I get to, um, if I get to sing, sing some songs, uh, like that's how I'd want to spend it anyway, even if no one else heard. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, thanks. If you're watching this and you came over yesterday, man, just thank you so much. Like the fact that anyone leaves their house <laughs> is amazing. But the fact that anyone would, you know, drive an hour plus to come and, you know, allow me to host them and serve them and, um, and share their time with me is something that I'm uh, I w- I won't take for granted. I'm very gr- I'm very grateful for. So I hope I'm getting that point across clearly, and it feels authentic as to you as it feels for me. Um, yeah. And if you're just watching, um, and you weren't over yesterday, thank you so much for watching. I hope this is uh, this is good for you as well. And I hope you find your community. I hope you find your voice, your song, and your dance. 
Much love, and I will see you next time. This is Nico, and this is The Good Wind.